Black Lives Matter, that's the message, that's the fight. The fight against racism and not against white. It's a movement with the message that is centuries old. So if you stand against injustice, then speak up and be bold. We've seen everybody come together, stay at home and work together, fighting against a virus that we can't even see. Now we face another virus, one called racism, and silence isn't going to save lives or protect you and me. Eight minutes, 46 seconds, can you believe? George Floyd was held down saying he couldn't breathe. It's time to stand up, time to put your hands up, time to understand love's the answer and enough is enough. People fear for their lives through the shade they were painted. Can you see the picture has been tainted? The hashtag does not accuse you or exclude you. Saying all lives matter is only seeing what you choose to. If you don't have a clue, it's like crashing a stranger's funeral and screaming, yell or someone too. The inequity, complexity, the pain, the perplexity, the gunning and running and trying and numbing the pain, the shit immensity. We're meant to be in this together. So speak up for your brothers, for your sisters, sons and daughters, for the slaughtered born to a black mother and my father was white. My future children will be black and will continue the fight do something say something yeah we all have a voice and in the color of our skin none of us had a choice you can continue to divide but the truth will remain underneath our skin we all bleed the same Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Alert The Stands. You're here today with your host Eads McKenzie and Nicholas Terrell and Chopper. And it is the very last episode of the season. We're sad, but I think we're kind of slightly reassured, especially with everything that's going on at the moment. How on how are you both doing? Um, I'm good. I'm kind of I am happy in a way that it's the last episode just because we're such perfectionists and kind of like recording in this format has been like it's not been challenging actually it's been really easy it's just the audio quality that i'm like oh like these guys are gonna have to bear with us again but that's all podcasts and everything during this period so i know that we're not alone but yeah it will be a chance to just take a break see how covid is going and see if we could if there's a way we can meet up in person somehow some way in some clean conditions but yeah besides that i'm all good in terms of like the weather and stuff it's been a bit shitty this week but it's sunny today which is you know great and yeah besides that all good how is everyone else shopping eden how are you guys oh um well fine okay um i would just like to say that i am i am proud of us for finishing because i i was saying to my friend yesterday obviously when miss verona came in and swept the universe um everything just kind of was like a standstill and kind of no none of us knew what we were going to do, I guess. We, and I think we I think we underestimated how long this would go on for. So I think we're kind of like, okay, we just want to record for the time being. But then, you know, as the weeks, you know, passed and the months passed, like, you know, we realised, oh, Miss Rain is going to be here for a while. So we're going to have to adapt. And what I've loved about not only just us, but also just loads of my favourite creatives during this time, is that we, it's just really shown how um, adaptable uh, humans are. Because to situations, because I'm like now seeing that so many, uh, even TV shows, <laughs> live TV shows have, have adapted well to things like this. And even like when it comes to artists doing promo now, like I was recently watching all of Avon Orgy's filmed features like Vanity Fair and stuff like that. And I mean, this is all happening in her home, but people are still making it work and we are making it work. So I'm proud of us for making it work and finishing the season and you know still giving that good content and I just feel we've had some really good conversations post the studio time so that's me 
other than that, um, life is long, I'm tired, but I'm still here by the grace of God. What to do at a clock call? All right. Yeah, I'm good. I'm in a space of um, kind of just focusing on how much attention I give to my like devices and like the media and everything that's going on at the moment. I've been finding that it's kind of been really affecting me mentally, like just seeing all of the kind of riots that are going on. And when I say riots, I mean, um, at the moment it is Saturday and there was a kind of revolt because in the UK, there's this new kind of um, idea that the Black Lives Matter people or the protests are trying to rip down all the statues in the UK. And because of that, the far right have come out now. And like just watching news is actually quite upsetting at the moment. Um, and like just Twitter, Instagram, like all those places, there's just like a cesspool of so many political conversations. Um, so I've decided to step away from a bit. Like I'll, I'll use it, but I don't have Twitter on my phone and I have Instagram on my phone. And anyone listening to this who's been feeling overwhelmed by the use of technology, I would suggest you do the same. Like I've been doing this thing where I wake up at early in the morning and I don't touch my phone until a certain time because you can't start the day with that type of energy. It honestly messes up your entire day just from that first encounter. But in terms of that, I'm trying to take more responsibility for my happiness, which is really interesting. I've started therapy again, which is good. And um, yeah, it's bringing up some interesting conversations and shout out to anyone who's doing therapy at the moment virtually. Uh, shout out for continuing your progress. And that's me, really. That's me. So it's another week. It's the last episode of Don't Let the Stands, as always. Um, we're going to probably say at the end, but I just want to say thank you to everyone who's listening and thank you everyone who's new. We've been seeing you joining on from Apple Podcasts when they gave us that spot on Black Lives Matter. But yeah, let's start the episode. So Shope, do your thing. Right, so we're going to get into the... What do we call this? The <laughs> listens section? Why have I forgotten what we call this? Um, I think that's what we call it. The listens section. Am I right in saying that? Have I forgotten? What we have been listening to. That's exactly it, Nick. That's what we call it. What we've been listening to. Thank you. Um, so, I this week I have one album and three songs. So, um, I'm going to start off with uh, the album. So, uh, this week I uh, revisited uh, the UK Queen of Soul, Miss Beverly Knight. I have uh, her third album, Who I Am, which came out in 2002. And um, I just, I think over the last week listening to this, and even just kind of thinking about her career as a whole, because I've always noticed that she's arguably more famous now, has a bigger profile now, doing all like the West End and theatre stuff, as opposed to when she was actually regularly recording music in the late 90s and early 2000s and it just kind of really saddens me that she's really left like a, a whole bunch of great material that wasn't really given its just due because as I've discussed many times in the show that the UK music industry has a very fickle history with R&B music especially with R&B music from British people which is odd and um I've always just said, I'm going to say it again, I really feel like Beverly Knight should have gone the way of like Estelle and Floetry and Corinne Bailey Ray and just gone to the States. I really felt like she could have been like what um, Urban AC have with like, you know, your Legacies and your Layla Hathaways and your Leela James, people like that. I feel like Beverly easily could have been one of those artists. But that saying that, this album actually was successful. It was, it was top 10 over here. One of the biggest hits was from this album, Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda, but going on to the album now i just think it's just a a really good representation that the uk too has its own legacy 
of good R&B and soul music. Like, I think amongst all her albums, this was her third album. She has about six albums, I believe. This is definitely amongst her strongest works. And um, I just think that the songs were well-crafted, well-produced. Her voice was in excellent form. And I just kind of love her. I just love the way she delivers on the track, like the conviction she delivers with her songs. And I love the production. And I kind of love how it kind of runs the gamut of uh, like R&B and soul music. And like, because it's kind of got like those Philly soul vibes, but it's got kind of like those British, because it is like a sound, a British R&B sound that we do have. If you go through like, you know, uh, De-Influence and The Young Disciples, I can go on. But um, and also like, there's like some new soul vibes. And um, yeah, so like, I just think um, it's a great album and I really want to um, speak out to our American listeners right now, because, you know, I want them to know that we too have, you know, a host of brilliant, brilliant artists who've been making R&B music over the last 30 years, and Baby Knight is definitely, you know, amongst the top of that list. Um, like I said, she's literally our British Queen of Soul. Not Adele. Beverly Knight is the British Queen of Soul. And um, I just want to shout out a few songs on this album. So Beautiful Contradiction, which features Music Soul Child. Um, Whatever's Clever, I've played that a lot this week. And I was thinking that should have definitely been a single. Ambition, It All Comes To You. Get Up, that is a vibe. That is just like a... It's just, I would just, it's one of those songs where, and it's funny because I wouldn't, you wouldn't expect it from, I feel like for those who haven't heard it, play that song, you probably wouldn't expect it from her, but it kind of goes to how she's kind of viewed today rather than she was in the 90s, 2000s when she was a recording artist. Get Up is like such a, it's such a banger and I feel like for all my Caribbean friends, like, play that song, you'd be like, yeah, just, just play that song. So that's on every night, um, Who I Am, great album. Secondly, uh, we are going to um, Tony Braxton. So um, I was on YouTube, and um, in my recommendations, I saw a remix to one of my favorite songs called I Don't Want To by her, which is unfortunately written by um, who we don't speak about anymore. And um, it was a Frankie Knuckles remix. It was a house remix. And I don't think I mentioned it here before, but one thing I love about uh, a lot of my late 80s and 90s divas, their house remixes were amazing. Actually, I think I said it on Instagram that Mariah Carey's house remixes are elite, like, if you've heard, like, the her remixes, like, her R&B remixes are dope as well, but her house remixes with, like, Frankie Knuckles, David Morales, Hex Hector, incredible remixes, completely resung, new melodies, new vocals, not just copy and paste like some people do today, I'm not going to say any names, um, real remixes. And then Tony Braxton has one too, so she's also one of those people as well, Whitney as well. So this Frankie Knuckles remix, the 10-minute remix, and it's just a vibe. It's just so damn good and I can't even heard this sooner and it's just like it's, it really is like a, a homage to to disco music because you know as we all know or we should know um house music uh birthed was birthed from the disco scene in the 70s and um yeah it just it's just like a really great ballroom vibe song so that's a great remix for any Tony Braxton fans out there or any house remix for any house music fans out there any uns uns fans out there um yeah and then, so I've got the last two now. I'm going to go into Buddy, who I love. He released uh, a single called, called Black 2 yesterday. And even though it's only been out a day, I've played this no less than like 20 times. I just love it. I just love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. It's a sequel to uh, Black from his um, debut album, Harlan and the Laundria, which I didn't actually like. If you just say something, I, I never really liked that song, but I appreciated the message. But this sequel, I feel like, is a much more qualitative song, and I love that the folk, the 
the single cover was a direct homage to that famous Malcolm X uh, photograph from Life magazine in 1963, I believe. Um, and it's just really like a, a really, really great song talking about his frustration and, uh, the, and, really, and really like an incisive take on cultural appropriation from outsiders in the black community. So a really, really great song. He went hard, the flow, the production, just he went went off. He he killed it. And the lastly, we're gonna go into our favorite problematic rapper, Azealia Banks, Black Madonna. This came out, um, I believe, on Wednesday or Tuesday. And what I love about Azealia is that as much as she's you know well known for like you know being a composite of so many different genres and sounds and feels, when give Azealia just a straight hip hop beat is one of my favorite Azealia next times i mean she's just like you know fuck the fuck the dance fuck the r&b fuck the, the country whatever she wants to do just give me a hip-hop beat it's like and it's just immediately clear that azealia banks as a lyricist is unfuckable you just can't fuck with azealia like and this song is just a, a glaring example of that and she just killed it the production is really dope just like a really gritty raw hip-hop production track i just yeah so those are my listens beverly knight Buddy, Azealia Banks, and Tony Braxton, and Frankie Knuckles. So, for me, I I wasn't going to come to this with a listen, actually, because I thought I hadn't really listened to anything. And then I remembered, actually, towards the beginning of the week, I had, but I'd just kind of fallen off from what I was listening to. So, um, Pasalu, um, hopefully I said that correctly, but um, he is a rapper from Coventry, and a lot of people have likened him to Jay Huss, so... To for American listeners, if you haven't loved Jay Huss before, Jay Huss is one of the biggest. Yeah, I would say one of the the biggest British artists at the moment. He makes kind of like an Afro swing. I don't really know how to describe Jay, Jay Huss's sound, if I'm being honest, because his last album had jazz elements in it. He's a very unique talent, and like Jay Huss, Pasalu. I'm going to call him Pa from now on. So Pasalu um, is from Gambia as well. And I think that's evident in the fact like his music is very similar to Jay Huss's in terms of his enunciation of words, the beats that he uses and how gritty he is with um, the stories that he tells. So it's very um, road life, like the first song he released, which was called Frontline. So Frontline was the song that everyone went crazy over, crazy visuals. And one thing I will say about him is in particular, when it comes to his videos, it's like he pays a lot of attention to them. He has another song called um, Betty, which the visual is incredible for. And if you if you like J-Huss, I actually think you would really love this guy. He is definitely up and coming. His sound is ever evolving. One thing that I prefer about him is I find him slightly more lyrical than J-Huss. And it was interesting because that sparked a conversation a few weeks ago about is J-Huss a lyricist? And personally, I don't believe he is. I understand why people would like want to give him that title because they love his music and he is one of the biggest artists in the UK. But for me, a lyricist is someone who is known for their lyrical wordplay. And I don't look to Jay Huss for that personally. And when I go to Jay Huss albums, I usually go for a vibe. I go for um, like a certain kind of ambiance that he brings, but not lyrics um, in particular. And Pasalua, like, I've really enjoyed his music and listening to him, he has a story to tell. He wants to actually engage with his audience and talk about this is where I come from and this is who I am. And so those two songs that I would recommend people listen to are Betty and actually three songs, Betty, Hit the Block and Frontline. So Hit the Block is a song by SL. It's a song by a drill artist called SL and Pasalu features on it as well. Very good song, very catchy. 
and he definitely has an ear for beats as well so definitely watch him out he's going to be one of the biggest artists in the uk i honestly believe that and he's very very talented next i will talk about janae claudette so i went back we'll to throwback. Janae claudette. throwback what do you mean throwback yeah she, you know she was like you know one of the more than my soundcloud r&b faves back in like 2013 yeah 12 yeah so she's another one of my youtube like someone that i used to love listening to on youtube and i went back to her project onto something which was released in 2018 because i loved the singles from that i did speak about it i think a few episodes ago or like last season or something but i went back to it again because i was just wondering like what happened to her she kind of went silent for a bit and i'd just seen she's actually released a song on the 10th of april so i'll listen to that but in terms of the project it's definitely an album that I prefer the singles on. It's not something that I enjoy, like the physical product. But when she's good, she's really good. Like I can see her being... I used to compare her to Tanache when I was younger because of the type of sound she had. Like it was very... Uh, I don't really know how to explain it. Like I don't really know how to explain it. Like I used to listen to a few artists and Tanache and um, Janae were two people I put together. Maybe because of their visuals. Yeah, I think it was because of their visuals and also that you could tell that they were veering towards making slightly more poppy tracks in their music. And songs like Twisted, for example, Love Me Back, you can definitely tell they're aimed for a pop audience. They do have like an R&B sound to them. But in terms of her music, I, I just, I listen to it to calm down and kind of just find something to vibe out to. And she's very good at that. So listen to Onto Something by Janae Claudette. And those are my listens. A little messy today. My mind is kind of all over the place, but... Those are my two listens. So Pasalu, check him out. Check out most of his songs. I haven't heard a bad song yet, so I genuinely trust in his music and listen to Janae Claudette, and that is me. I just want to say I'm glad you you put out Tanache in there, you know, people who sound like her, because I've said this before, when we talk about, like, the forefathers and foremothers of the alternative R&B, like, we always, when it comes to the women, we always talk about just Janae, but Tanache needs to be in that conversation too, so I'm glad you you mentioned her right now because i agree when um i was into janae janette claudette many years ago it was very much of early tanache so i just wanted to to say that yeah and also i think it's because you highlighted a few episodes ago how important like sierra's influence was on like the new girls and how she's kind of um someone that doesn't really get her shine and i definitely think with these like new r&b people just to echo what you said before it's evident that Sierra is someone who is very, very, very um, important to these new girls. And Janae Claudette. 100%. Like, even looking at the visuals of, like, the torn jeans and all of those types of things, mm-hmm. it's very Sierra, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So, yeah, I just think Sierra needs to get her flowers. Although the latest albums aren't good, I will agree with Chope on that. But, no, it's true. Like, um, I said it before, like, yeah. we, when it, we always talk about Beyonce and Rana's impact on the new girls. And, obviously, you know, we can see that. But Sierra definitely needs to be mentioned there, too. Like, she's definitely had... I said it before, Normani is more Sierra than Beyonce, but no one will ever say that. Yeah. Oh, actually, sorry, I have one more lesson. I just realised. So, there was an artist on Instagram who I actually had a conversation with because... One of his songs was um, sponsored to me using that Instagram sponsor, which is actually quite good. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I've actually been recommending a few songs that have just randomly popped up on my Instagram feed. And if that's the purpose, it's working. But there's a song called Red Curtains by an artist called Tamu Oaks. And he said we could play a clip, but it's basically like a lover's anthem. (laughs) 
that's what I'm listening to at the moment. His name is Tamu Oaks and Red Curtains is the name of the song. Check it out if you can. Nick. Hey, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Woo! I was just deciding what I wanted to pick. So, um, yeah, I'll start with Lil Yai. Um, so he released his uh, third project, I believe it is. Um, and on that album is a song with Tyler the Creator, ASAP Rocky and Tiara Wack called TD, which stands for Tokyo Drift. So the song obviously samples the iconic iconic, sorry, um, Tokyo Drift uh, song by Teriyaki Boys, um, which was on the Fast and Furious soundtrack. Uh, so I really liked particularly ASAP Rocky's cadence. Um, I've always actually been a fan of his cadence. I just wish his bars were better and more elevated across his career, which is why I prefer ASAP Ferg out of the whole ASAP mob, crew, collective, etc., whatever you want to call them. But to be honest, he provided the perfect balance for Tierra Wax aggression on this track. And I think, yeah, he was the perfect mellow to kind of balance the song out. Tyler, the creator, killed it, like in terms of punchlines and his own verses as well. When he wants to get in his bag, he really does. Um, sometimes he stays quite chilled and relaxed, but then sometimes he bodies tracks. So I prefer personally when he like goes straight lyrical and just body shit. So on this particular TD production by actually Little Yachty as well as 30 Rock, um, I believe he does quite well on it. I think he's perfectly placed. I think he's just after Tierra Wack and both of the two bounce off each other's cadences and flows really well. Um, Tierra, obviously we've praised her a lot on the show, both myself and Eden particularly. And I think she really like, she kills it amongst these men and it just kind of shows but she, she's a boss. She's literally a boss. Like, um, I was reading a profile piece by her, um, by Evie Annie, of course, on Teen Vogue a few weeks ago. And she just, she's such an incredible character. And she's really putting Philly on the map in terms of Philly gets slept on a lot. But there's so many different talents that have come from there. It's a cultural part. Yes. Where the East yes. Coast is concerned, yes. like it does a lot for the movement of it. Um, so I think as well as obviously you've got the go-go in DC and then you've got New York for being New York, you know, the epicentre of hip-hop. Philly's definitely that great mid-balance and I've actually travelled the whole route like through to, to DC, from New York to DC. And it was just really interesting seeing the landscape, seeing the area and stuff. And I'm definitely wanting to stop off there next time. If I went to New York this time, I was doing the same route. I would have definitely made some time to just stop, even if it was to get some food in Philly because there's so much cultural things going on down there so um yeah i think it's a great song little yachty is not mumbling anymore which is amazing it just shows his art artistic growth if you didn't know he's done a lot of songs for like the likes of city girls like he's produced and written a lot of stuff he's very talented beyond what people have said and i i've noted it before on socials the fact that like um i just hate the fact that ebro and old gatekeepers used to like really like bully him in interviews and stuff and he's he's a quite quiet character and quite reserved and stuff and when he was first coming out with Lil Uzi Vert like Lil Uzi Vert had the energy to like battle the Ebros and stuff but like you could tell that he was getting particularly irritated Lil Yachty with um, Ebros kind of comments and stuff like oh let's see who the mumblers are going to be here and stuff like that and Lil Yachty's proven that he's going to be here whether it's in a producer capacity or whether it's in an artistic growth he's literally barring now I'm not going to say he's the best lyricist but he's not mumbling anymore. And I, I completely respect that growth because as I've said on the show a lot of times, I love trap. I love trap where people are speaking as well. Like I don't mind mumbling if it works in terms of sonics and if it works with the production, 
But when people are really spitting and like just talking their shit, like whether it's saying imaginative stuff, like much of nothing or saying like deeper stuff, I don't mind what you're talking about. And I think Yachty has really grown. Like this project, I haven't like listened to it in its entirety a lot of times. I think I've played it around three times since its release. But yeah, this is one of the standouts that I just really respect him as an all-around talent in terms of writing, um, in terms of producing, and he's working on the cadence and flow and everything you kind of need as a rapper to kind of excel. And he will be here. He's been here for pretty much over five years at this point. So um, I think he's going to be here. And he, even if it's not as a main artist front of house, he can write his butt off and he can produce his butt off. So, and he had one of the biggest summer hits last year with City Girls' song, Act Up. Come on, like, he's doing bits out here. Give him his credit for one being one of the new generation talents that turned momentum into actual talent. So much respect to him. And everyone else in this song killed it too. So shout out to them. So that is Tokyo Drift. Uh, stylized this TD on his album if you want to listen to it. And then moving on... I'm going to go to the guy who I wanted album to drop on Friday, but it's got delayed till July 3rd, Pop Smoke. Um, he's got a song with Rowdy Rebel, which is just such a full circle moment in terms of where Drill's going and what's happening. If you don't know Rowdy Rebel, he um, is a very popular New York rapper in the Drill scene, kind of helped move New York Drill into where it is now. Um, he collaborated with Bobby Schmurder on Computers, um, and yeah, he's just, that is one of the quintessential kind of drill numbers in terms of the last decade that's come out. So yeah, Make It Rain is Pop Smoke's latest single from his upcoming posthumous album, his debut album, um, which is, yeah, as I said, July 3rd. It was meant to come out this Friday, but delayed. I think it was more so because of the moment we're in right now and like the whole movement that's going on politically. Um, but yeah, I love this song. I think it's just a great drill number. Um, as everyone keeps saying, Pop Smoke literally sounds like 50 Cent on drill. Like it's nuts how he sounds exactly the same as him in some places. I just, I love the song and I love Pop Smoke and I wish he was still alive. Like I'm so annoyed that his career got, got killed essentially like when it was going in such a great place and direction but such a full circle moment I would have loved to have seen a visual with Rowdy Rebel and to be honest I was eagerly anticipating the day that Bobby Schmurder came out which is still slated for December and these two to just kill New York like it would have been nuts with like UK producers who are helping the genre of course and giving it visibility it's just it's so sad but I'm so happy this album's coming out and I'm glad they actually did get to collaborate. I think Bobby um, phoned in a verse from prison or something. And there is a, there is a collaboration with the two that is, um, that's been recorded. So yeah, at least they got to connect in that way. Um, and when the song is officially released, hopefully they'll be able to kind of, well, one of them will be able to live the legacy on of Pop Smoke, um, the short-lived legacy that is. But yes, Make It Rain, latest single album is due in less than a month now. So I'm really excited for that. Um, and you'll hear, well, next season, we can kind of look back on how that sounded. But yes, moving on to an Irish duo who I love. I don't know if I've spoken about them on the show, but I've definitely spoken about them on socials. Hair Squid, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, with Eden Connect, they've got a new song called Disloyal, What the Fuck? So Eden Connect and Hair Squared had a hand in the production and the back of house kind of um, vocals and everything like that. 
and the song is around two and a half minutes and it just kind of talks about their heartbreaks um and I love the rock influences on the track. Like you've got electric guitars in the background. Um, it's quite a mid-tempo track record, trap record. Um, and I think, yeah, it just goes well. It just reminds me of Trippy Red and Party Next Door, which I spoke about a few weeks ago, which talks to kind of the way trap, where trap's going and mixing in with like different genres and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm I'm just a fan of it. I'm, I'm happy that it's going in the more emotional route as well, like vulnerabilities on the records and stuff like that. And I just think these two are incredible in terms of their production. And I think they add such a cool dynamic to the UK scene as well. Yeah, I think they're building their profile quite well. They did a colours, that was what I was thinking of. Um, Yeah, they did a colours um, for one of their previous singles as well, if you want to check that out. They're just so talented and I think that the fact, again, that they produce and do the front of house stuff just makes them more rounded uh, and skilled as kind of UK talent. So, And I'm glad it's Ireland, like not everyday London, the epicentre of music. Like I love when things are broad and we give diversity to what's going on, like Manchester, for example, and then, you know, your Midlands, your Knots, your Birmingham talents, and then you've got obviously Ireland as well, which doesn't really get a lot of profile, but there's a lot of bubbling. When um, Smooth was on the show last season, um, he gave light to that, that there's a lot of a lot of Irish talent that's you know, has a strong streaming fan base um, and that show up to tours. So I'm really excited to see what these two do. Um, and they're always in London. So I'm definitely going to catch a next post-Rona show. And then last but not least is um, Novelist Stay With Me. Like, I just love this song. Like, it's so so soulful in some ways like it's really soulful and it was really unexpected when I played um the song last week and I've just been playing it all this week too and it's just it's kind of helped me to just calm down like with all that's going on on social media like I know Eden spoke about it a bit earlier but I think yeah he just it's really like it's almost like a prayer like how the impact that it has with me it just really calms me down it really just makes me focus and really just makes me kind of focus in terms of introspectively and kind of get away um it's very kind of minimalist in its lyrics it's kind of just repeat stay with me obviously there's some other lyrical components to it but I think it's it's simplicity as its beauty really and he's got a great visualizer on YouTube for this um very simplistic as well but yeah I just really kind of respect where he's going sonically and I hope he continues to kind of provide similar sounds um similar kind of ambience similar simplicity and just toying around with his voice in multiple facets so yeah I'm a fan I'm a fan I'm a fan um so those were the four songs um disloyal what the fuck by hair squid and eden eden yeah eden and then you've got novelist stay with me then you've got rowdy rebel and pop smokes single and then you've got uh little yachty tiara whack tyler the creator asap rocky td stylized as tokyo drift and yeah, sorry, Pop Smoke's one was called Make It Rain. And we'll move into the news section now. We've got quite, it's quite an industry heavy news section this week. <laughs> hmm, we will start off with Capital, Capital, Capital. 
So Capital Extra, that is, they've had a little bit of scrutiny from internal members. This is uh, still following on. I feel like we've spoken about this for like pretty much the latter half of this season. Yeah, Black Lives Matter continues, of course, it's a lifelong movement. And Yinka and Shayna from The Morning Show have gone against kind of Global's reaction to um, Black Lives Matter and what's going on. So they released a joint statement um, and said that they were embarrassed by um, what's going on on global radio in the wake of the protests that happened last weekend. So the statement starts as two black women who front the breakfast show on the biggest black music station in the UK. We were completely embarrassed by the response from Capital Extra, especially the seemingly copy and paste job in terms of the statement released. It's upsetting to receive messages from black people who work in the company who are scared of coming forward. And at first we weren't sure if this was a forum for presenters to share their opinions, but honestly, we don't know what else to do. They've echoed that they were obviously exhausted as black women in the public eye and forward-facing reps for the company um, who are actively speaking out against white privilege and fighting for change. We currently don't feel like we we have the backing, sorry, of the place that they call home. We are more than open to having discussions and being involved on how we can work on moving forward. So they obviously want to be a part of the company's change. A source at Global actually reported to The Guardian that they were saddened by the lack of genuine commitment to diversity. So this is outside of obviously Yinka and Shayna. And they said there's never been any genuine commitment to BAME, um, I hate that term, but BAME representation or developing female leaders. So yeah, they basically released their statement following staff discussion of comments made by the global founder and president, Ashley um, Tabor King, which obviously prompted a lengthy discussion on the company's inter internal discussions work forum. So they just said it's kind of not enough, like the response that Global are doing, they're kind of being silent on the issues or like very tame in their response to Black Lives Matter um, and representation. So yeah, this is this is what's going on in terms of Global and Capital Extra to be specific. What do you guys think about the two speaking out and companies retaliating to Black Lives Matter? I think it's important, personally. So I had, a com I had a conversation with the CEO of the company I work for. I'm happy to put that out there. And multiple conversations with people that are the head of various divisions within the company as well. And unlike some people, for me, the conversation felt like a step towards understanding how to make the environment slightly more welcoming, understanding how diversity and inclusion is important. But the one thing I will say, and this isn't directly related to me, but just in general, a lot of companies need to realize that these things, these conversations can be quite triggering. And although for you, it might be a wake up call and um, all of a sudden you suddenly are questioning what's going on in the world and why we don't have so many black staff. Hopefully you're asking those questions, but these are conversations that your colleagues, your employees have been asking you for years. They've been wondering why they are the only face amongst a, a, a group of people that don't look like them and these conversations are very triggering um so i definitely do shout out um the both of them because they are they have very public facing jobs there's def they definitely receive backlash for this and um a lot of hatred for it as well and i can only salute people like that
people who put their people above the accolades that come with them being the only ones. And I think that's an issue that's been prevalent for a long time. There's been a lot of black people who are happy to sit in in businesses and companies and be the only ones within there and act as gatekeepers for a lot of people that are trying to get in. They won't offer advice. They won't talk about diversity in the companies. They won't do the work and actually interact with new black staff who visibly are suffering. So very special shout out to them. And yes, companies do need to stop copy and pasting their responses. Think about the people who work for you, the people who make you money, but also on a human level as well. Write about how it's affecting people. Right now we're in the middle of a pandemic and black people are fighting another another virus that is currently going through our community um, or at least affecting our community and we're expected to work our normal jobs it is a lot of a lot of pressure sorry so yeah very very special shout out to them and um sending them power really that's me um i feel like eden has you know said everything very eloquently so um i don't think i'll have much to say on this but i do think it's worth mentioning that uh capital extra is in england the biggest radio station for black music quote unquote like obviously there's bbc extra but that's under bbc whereas capital extra as a whole is kind of recognized as the uh paragon of what of black british music well black music in general so um i am i am surprised but not surprised like because it goes back to what i said before and kind of what buddy's talking about in black too that kind of like you can't and he says you want to be black but you don't want to be a nigger if we're keeping it blunt and it kind of just goes because i'm very sure well actually i know because i was re reading the article that you know you know the ceo and the uh, directors of capital and global are white people surprise surprise chaos debris but it just kind of just shows like your lack of tact but also your lack of uh of connectivity like think like think use your brain like what's not clicking here like oh we we champion black music. We have black front-facing radio hosts and DJs. Surely we should have a much more personable statement to put out. And then also, um, it wasn't mentioned that, but there's apparently like um, an internal uh, group forum at Capital, well, Global Radio, which I guess is like their version of Slack. And they actually apparently were speaking up about the about the lack of proper response to the racial climate right now. And apparently it was removed and moved to another, another platform within internally so this kind of just shows once again like the silencing it's like you want to talk up you want to do your statement but like you don't want to you don't really want to adjust the things internally the things you know happening in your own company in your own back door because that so that bit was like a little bit of the article but i wanted to bring it up too because kind of like it's one thing to make a statement but so it just literally just shows and i hate using the word performative i hate that word because i want to say this too that a lot of people who use the word performative are being performative themselves i want to say that a lot of you are doing that too but like the fact that there are people actually trying to, you know, speak up and, you know, vocalise their issues or concerns internally, and even those are being, like, shunned, it's, like, it's not a good look. It's not a good look at all. And I'm not, sh and it's not surprising. And it goes back to why I said that if you work with black people and have black artists or black clients, like, you of all people should especially be more privy to how you can make change and influence and use your privileges but hey ho the whites are gonna whites i do also think it's important to highlight that capital extra previously it was choice fm so i do think we also need to talk about how integral choice fm was to black people because it was a station we turned to like i used to listen to it on the way to school every single morning and it would be a place where you would hear people who were like you you would hear 
you're, you'd hear music people talk about from your community. You would hear um, black people talking about everyday things. And then it was sold to Capital Extra, to Global. Um, and Global made it Capital Extra. And now it changed completely. So it's very interesting because for a lot of people, this station, like you can see this station frequency number or whatever you call it and relate it to a lot of happy memories. But for something like this to happen, it's quite evident that this is something that is quite saddening to hear. A, a former safe space is now somewhere that has to be reminded of black lives. Um, Choice FM built the foundation for Capital Extra. So uh, it's very sad. But yeah, sorry, Nick, you were saying? Um, I was just going to say, even in name, Capital Extra kind of <laughs> gives its <laughs> inferiority. Um so I don't find this surprising at all in terms of how the respect isn't given. Um, I actually was at a presentation earlier this year with someone from Global. Um, I'm not going to say where this happened, but they barely refer to Capital Extra in their presentation. So doesn't really shock me at all. Um, just in terms of how little black people probably mean to the company. And it just reflects like what the likes of ET Canada have done to their employees. So they obviously said internally to someone, um, Aika Wong, I believe her name is, and they said to her that a black woman, that essentially Black Lives Matter isn't on the agenda here. Like we cover pop culture news and celebrity news. But then when pop culture and celebrities started to pivot towards Black Lives Matter, that's when they spoke up. While still discrediting, obviously, their black employees, not paying her travel expenses for three years, not paying her day rates where she's kind of preparing for her on camera time, not paying that rate or telling her that it even existed as the industry standard and only paying her £400 as a camera standard day rate. So doesn't really surprise me with what these companies are doing, trying to just get in front of obviously Black Lives Matter temporarily, in my opinion, and not respect black people. So yeah, it doesn't really surprise me. I'm glad they spoke out, especially as two black women in a patriarchal society where black women are seen as probably the bottom. No, actually, they are considered the bottom um, with misogynoir in place as well. So it's, yeah, really brave of them. And yeah, Yinka, I've met her before. She's very, um, she's a lovely girl um, and she's, she's definitely got her head screwed on. So I'm glad that she is doing the work internally to kind of call these people out just so we know where we stand so it's cool um and yeah I was like Eden a choice FM listener avid um loved the station it's a shame that what happened happened with global but um yeah I hope these women continue to kind of uh keep accountability to where it matters like with the heads of companies and I also wanted to state that this trend um I did previously praise it, but it actually is a, comes from a place of privilege. So these people, I said previously last week that the, one of the Reddit members, um, Serena's, is it husband or fiance? Husband, yeah. He stepped away from the company and I feel, I at first praised it, but looking back, it's kind of a cop out because you kind of get to just step away from the chaos um, while it still happens. So you kind of have the privilege to do that. So... Um, I think, obviously, think about the solutions, companies, um, if you even care, that is, 
most of you don't but think about how you tackle this listen to black people but at the same time you need to give us time because as Eden said emotional labor is it's very taxing I too had conversations with people high up in my company too and yeah I just wanted to spotlight this article from the Metro called the emotional impact of watching white people wake up to racism in real time um, I believe this is sums up the exact thoughts that we kind of f echoed during this segment. I think it's key to just do the work, let black people have some breathing time because this is our everyday life for decades at this point. And I think that as Natalie Morris, the writer of this article, echoes, it's just time to give us our space for a while to just take this in. So yeah, I think shout out to the presenters, shout out to Yinka and Shayna, shout out to everyone who's black in those spaces speaking out. We know it's not easy. And yeah, we continue to stand in solidarity with you guys um, as we all together get through this hard time. Um, but yes, I'm going to swift over to some more positive news. Um, we're still in the UK here. So Atlantic Records UK has a new executive vice president. Who is this person? It is Austin Darbo, the incredible Austin Darbo. So obviously, Austin, if you don't know the name, you should, um, because he has been in the industry for just so long at this point, championing obviously black music, black artists, black talent in his respective roles. He has obviously had an amazing career, um, including at BBC, including at Apple, including at Spotify. Um, he's changed cultures most recently at Apple Music. He did the Agenda playlist. He did the Accompany show, which Miss Banks was at earlier this year. Um, Dave, Stefan, Don, etc. were part of the campaign, which um, was in the run-up to the Brits, which was in the likes of Greenwich, on buses everywhere across London. He was at Spotify, similar kind of culture, um, similar similar kind of culture there, changing it. He was the senior editor shows um, and editorial. Then he got promoted to the head of music, culture and editorial for Spotify UK. Um, and as I said, he was at BBC One Extra before in 2014 as the music manager, leading the musical direction of the whole station. So he's definitely got a breadth of experience. And now he tick he ticks off his list, um, being a part of a major label imprint. So yes, as I said, he's obviously joining Atlantic Records UK um, as the executive vice president. And there is a lot of murmurs that Def Jam UK in the UK as well is about to be headed by amazing black talent as well. Um, so this is a whole revival in the UK that's set to happen. And I'm truly excited. So yeah, the twin brothers, if you don't know who they are, they'll probably be heading over to Def Jam UK. Loads of rumours via Music Business Worldwide who have an accurate kind of stamp usually on what's going on. But let's go back to Austin and the news with him. Say their names, the twins. So um, I actually don't... Twin, is it twin being twin, both the Boateng brothers, essentially? Yeah. Yeah, so Alex and Alec... Boateng, Alec is twin B. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Amazing. So yeah, those are the rumours. 
Hopefully Def Jam UK is headed by them because that would be a force um, in the UK scene. But yes, Austin, News, what do you guys think of this move? What do you think of the career so far as well? Because it's been such amazing positions he's held so far. All right. So I'm very happy for Austin. This sounds amazing. And I sincerely, I'm, I'm really intrigued in the way he navigates the music industry. It seems like such a such a strategic but like well-placed person um and it's very very good to see a black person in that position making those moves and hopefully making a diff a difference to the um the music industry over here one thing i will say is i am all for congratulating people to get to certain positions i'm very very happy that's happening i am not the type of person though to just say well done and that's it there still needs to be changes within the system and having a black face in that position doesn't necessarily mean that will happen i hope it happens and i'm i'm, I'm lending that energy to him because i want to see changes happen i want to see more investment in in what's happening yes. over here i want to yes. see more awards going to people who actually deserve it i yes. want to see um black talent i want to see black mediocrity i want us to have the ability to make music that isn't spectacular all the time and I, I sincerely hope that Austin is the person to facilitate that because let us not forget, although there are people that do sit in high positions who are black and do all these things, there are people put in positions to just be a black face. And I'm not in any, I'm not any way saying that's Austin whatsoever. I don't know him personally. I've seen him do great work at Apple, at Spotify with all of the podcast deals he had at Spotify, but I'm, I'm a realist as a person and I, I don't discriminate. I sincerely hope that there are pure intentions with anyone that would get a position like that. And I'm, although I do say that, I am very happy that he is navigating the scene as he is. He's done some great work at the companies he's come from. And I sincerely hope that work continues as he, in his new job. But yeah, let's make people prove what they can do. Let, let people get in the position first. And then once they're in the position, see the changes they make and the things that it, it does. Because... I find that a lot of the time when a black person gets a job in a high position job, everyone goes crazy. Everyone's like, oh, but this is going to change everything. This is great. This is great. Let them prove themselves. Let them let them do what they need to do. No, I agree. To, I agree. to create that excitement. And the best example of that, although I do have comments and conversations about it, the best example of that is Obama and how everyone was kind of rallying behind Obama. I'm going to be completely honest. I do believe there was more to why Obama couldn't do certain things during his presidential, his his tenure. Personally, that's me personally. Um, but I don't, I don't really talk about that publicly because I understand both sides of that argument. But what I will say is let people get in a position because Obama is an example. Obama was in the position where Black Lives Matter was created. Obama was in a position where um, black people were being killed by the police. It's, it's a systemic issue and the face and the leader of those movements, it doesn't matter. So I just hope this, I hope that Austin is as good as I hear and I wish him the best. I'm very, very happy for him. That's me. Eden Mackenzie Goddard, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> so I completely agree with everything Eden said. Eve everything and i think he um uh, excellently broke down what it means and the politics and the 
the complexities of being a black face within such as in such a high powered position at such big companies. So I'm not really going to expand on that because um there is you know it comes with a lot of pressure. And even going back to the Obama thing, even going back to the Obama thing, I would even want to go even further back with Sidney Poitier, um, the actor. He was one of the first major successful black film stars of his time and he faced so much pressure to be perfect all the time and to represent his race like it comes with a lot so i think as much as i'm happy for austin as we all should be we also like you know as you know you said let's see what he does but we also can't expect him to eradicate all the issues within the music industry he's one person we can't expect him to do everything and you know draw back years and years and years and years of institutional racism within the music industry like he's one person so i am expecting him to do more and i do hope that you know he you know brings up young black executives and young black uh people who work in dsps and pr and marketing and so on and so forth. i hope he does and i hope he does that he does play a part in black artists being given the same push as white artists because like even going to even some of you know our light skin phase like Mahalia. Mahalia should be doing much better than she's doing. She should be a much bigger star. She like like we need to forget she's not really popping either. Like her album was twenty eight. Her singles have not done well. Like but even the aim goes for uh you know our dark skin brothers and sisters too. But I just think general in black music in general, we need to be given the same push and the same care, the same A and Rs and the same level of dedication to be a success as their white counterparts. Like, you know, because I just, I just hate to think that, you know, we'll have another Beverly Knight. Like, someone who could have done so much more, who could have been more, but the support wasn't there. Um, as for Austin himself, I just think I'm very intrigued with his trajectory, really. Like, you know, um, he's just jumping around from conglomerate to conglomerate, and big conglomerate at that, not just any little place like, you know, Spotify, Apple, Atlantic, BBC. I'm just very intrigued to know how he did that and how he's navigated his CV, really. I just, and I just, yeah, I just want to know, I really would like to know how we did it, and yeah, I want to know how, how it was done, and why did he stay in each place for so long, because, and I wonder, like, you know, I have to ask, like, is he going to stay in Atlantic for the long haul, or is it going to be, like, just another year, like, you know, because he wasn't at Apple and Spotify too long, he was there a significant amount of time, but he wasn't there, like, too long, but, uh, all the while, I think it's amazing to have someone like him, and I want to shout out the Boateng brothers, uh, Alec and Alex too. Um, they've been doing amazing, amazing work, especially Alec with uh, Stormzy and Burner Boy over the last two years. So yeah, that is me. But Ethan Mackenzie got out, ladies and gentlemen. Ethan Mackenzie got out. Yes. Nick, go on. It's up to you, man. Yeah, congrats to Austin. Um, I definitely think that, as Shopee said, he's not going to change the industry overnight, and I think. Some of the stuff that was listed, I think, already exists. We have black, mediocre talent. I think it's more just about maybe the visibility of them. But I think, again, that's even down to people like ourselves allowing that mediocrity. I think sometimes a lot of us can look down on black talent when they're, like, not perfect. And we have that own, like, psychology in our heads. Not all of us, but some of us. And it's like we need to challenge ourselves if, like you know, and not even just measuring to white people, just like we can have a plethora of talent, just like TV shows. You can have your trash TV. If you don't want to watch that, you can have your documentaries. You can have your your deeper series, your drama series. You can have your interactive game shows. Like you can have so many different types of shows on TV. You can have your short forms. You can have your long forms. Um, so with artists, I think it's actually down to the consumers because 
there are a plethora of people I wouldn't consider great, but, you know, people, people, some people big them up, some people look down on them. I think maybe just give that balance because, yeah, they exist. It's not like we're all expected to be perfect. Um, in fact, that's who they give the shorter, smaller deals to, actually, mediocre talent, who they can just use for a single, use for a TikTok campaign, and then, you know, whatever. So I think... Yeah, just maybe more mediocre talent given more budgets and more visibility is probably what I would want to see. Maybe as well as like the more talented artists like a Ray Black, given the budget, the push, etc. And like the right material, the right producers, all of that. So I think just a balancing act with black talent in the UK is needed, which obviously Austin is at one. And the same effort as well. I want to I want to say that as well. Yeah. The same effort being given to our black artists because we all love our Dua Lipa now, but Dua Lipa was pushed down our throats for a better half yeah. for a better half of two and a half years. That girl was not doing well in the beginning, but they pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. Yeah. They were determined to make that girl a star. Yeah. That would not be given to Ray Black. Yeah. Continue. And um I think with Austin, his track record has proven that in short sprouts of time he can create cultural change and actually give to black people. So I think with Obviously, the industry is completely different in terms of a label to newer streaming platforms. They're a new industry of their self. They're still finding their feet. So obviously, there's more wiggle room, um, I'd assume so, to be able to create the cultural change. But what I have seen from Austin is giving opportunities to people who wouldn't otherwise get the visibility. Like Miss Banks, I believe, is only a dark skinned black woman, has only been given like the pretty little thing um, thing with um, Will I Am in terms of major billboard campaigns and like shows and opportunities and out of the pretty little thing campaign came a song that she was on with with what is her name lady leisha as well so yeah i think with miss banks and what he gave to her as well as well as like other black talent in the uk it was just the blackity black campaign um i think austin does where he can give the visibility to talent and then obviously as eden highlighted before with spotify who got the deals black uk podcasters or he pushed through that to give the representation across the spectrum with the Spotify deals. So yeah, I think Austin, where he can, he is about black people. I just continue to, I hope, I just hope to see that represented in Atlantic um, Records UK in terms of budgets and stuff like what he can control. I'm not going to say he can control the world because he can't. He's not in a position to control Sony. He's not in a position to control Republic. He's in a position to control Atlantic UK. So I'm only going to hold him to that standard. Um, and then in terms of awards and stuff like that, I just think that's an industry thing. And that's a wider conversation in terms of like what the word urban being partially eradicated is helping to do maybe but I just think that more needs to be done from a plethora of sources in the industry whether that's radio whether that's streaming whether that's institutional award committees whether that is um, PR giving the right opportunities to artists whether that is uh, marketing and the label giving the budget to the black artists as well I just think there's a plethora the music industry is wide just journalism like not creating the narrative like with the video we posted posted about Keisha from the sugar babes like not giving the narrative there not leading black artists into questions not giving the angry black women narrative there's so much to be done on different like we always say racism is a tenant it's a, a system with many tenants many offshoots and there's so many different 
things that need to be done. So I think, yeah, with Austin in position, hopefully he control he can control what he can and utilize what he can in the right way. Um, and obviously I'm going to give him like a long period of time to do that because it doesn't happen in two days. It doesn't happen in two months like it can with the streaming, like the labels are very institutional. There's so many levels. There's so many doors to knock. There's so many, even the people above him, there's them to convince and all of that. So yes, it's cool to see, but um, I think there's there's a wider industry both underneath him and around him and above him that needs to be tackled and addressed, um, which I do not think will be solved overnight. And there are many more announcements and changes that need to happen before th we even make headway with some of the issues that we're discussing today. Um, and I think initiatives like the show must be paused in terms of black people being together. They need to just continue on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, like the episode was called A Blackout Life. Um, it needs to happen on a day-to-day -day basis. And that unity and that just that openness. Like, I love what Whitney's doing. I love what Alex, and I think it's Metropolis, both of them. I love what they're doing, creating unions amongst themselves and like a black women's chat and all of this kind of stuff. That is the type of work that's needed. So everyone has the visibility. What's going on? Oh, Atlantic are doing that. Metropolis doing this. The X Wines doing that. Let's know about that so that we can either challenge it or um, reject it completely. Um, so yeah, I think amongst black people in the creative industry we just need to really have each other's back and not seek to fit into that trope of the token one there can only be one crabs in a barrel da, 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 da. so yeah i would love to think that austin's going to do right by black people via his track record it's been blackity black literally um since the start so yeah i can only hope that he continues in that same trajectory incredible congrats to him and just shout out to him. I just think he reflects how people work these days. Like millennials tend to not really step, even though he's not a millennial, but he was reflecting the millennial culture in terms of just, yeah, just going where the next opportunity takes you. We don't know whether it was like money, position, because this is the highest position he's had. Um, so maybe it was that. Maybe he just wanted to kind of move up. But whatever his intentions are, um, I hope they're pure hearted um, and for people bigger than himself. Um, but yeah. Big industry player in the UK. Shout out to him and what he is doing. Um, I will move on unless anyone has like anything to say to the last topic, which is weird to say, like last topic of season four. So um, we're talking about an institution which I hate right now, but the Grammys, they've announced nine rule changes to the awards and nominations process, which I will outline as quickly as possible um, so I can finish the topic. But um, the first one is in the Best New Artist, the Academy have dropped the rule that an artist may have released no more than 30 tracks prior to the start of their current eligibility year. Number two is they've changed best urban contemporary album to best progressive R&B album. One, that one sparked a bit of controversy. Number three is they changed best rap and sung performance to best melodic rap performance. Again, caused a bit of way. Um, moved Latin urban recordings from one category to another. So Latin urban recordings are moving from best Latin rock urban 
or alternative album to join Latin pop albums in the newly renamed Best Latin Pop or Urban Album. Um, the former category will be renamed to Best Latin Rock or Alternative Album. So essentially, there'll be two categories, like the Latin Rap and Urban, and then the Latin Rock or Alternative albums respectively um number five is in response to allegations of conflicts of interest in its nominations review committees the academy has tightened its rules so previously the rule was that committee members must disclose conflicts and leave the room um, and not vote in respective categories now they may not participate on the committees the rule change makes it even more clear who should and should not be in the room. So we never want a conflict of interest. We never want people to perceive there's a conflict of interest. So the new rule exactly is at the time of the invitation to participate on the nominations review committee, a conflict of interest disclosure form will be provided. Each person invited to, to be a member of such a committee must disclose to the best of their knowledge, whether in connection with any recording that may be entered in the current year's Grammy process. Um, so the person would be in line to receive a nomination or win for any records being considered in a particular category. B, the person may have any direct or indirect financial ties to the recordings or creators under consideration. Or C, the person has immediate familial ties to any of the artists to, um, in the top vote category sections and or D, any conflict or interest actual or perceived outside of these parameters. Number six is in any effort to trigger more turnover or nomination review committees, the rules have been changed. So under the old rules, committee members had to take one year off after five years of service. That is now true after three years. So that's changed. Number seven is in a push for greater transparency. The official Grammy Awards rulebook is available for the first time on Grammys.com. So people can view that on the site. Eight capped at number four. So the number of times principal vocalists can win for best musical theatre album. So they can only win four times essentially in that category. And number nine, the awards and nominations committee added some flexibility to its rule that it won't consider a failed proposal again the following year they added an exception so proposals viewed in a different light due to changes in industry or technology may considered be considered sorry in consecutive years so those are the nine changes they're all available via billboard.com let's talk about it probably namely the ones to do with urban contemporary um rap performance um and maybe the new artist one so in terms of the amount of releases that are considered in a consecutive year to be under that eligibility for that category if you need me to go over them again before we talk let me know in those particular three but yes i want to know your thoughts on those particular three when you want to speak uh the grammys are done i like nick have no interest in this show whatsoever because that's what it is it's a show it's not an award show and i understand the kind of excitement a lot of artists have when they get nominated for a grammy because hey it's the grammys right like an amazing award show but like in terms of viewership, they're dropping. Like 2017, 26 million views. 2020, 16.5. I mean, that's still that's still amazing. But at the same time, they're obviously not adapting. These changes aren't good enough. The fact they're still using words like urban. No, they've taken it out. They've taken it out. Like the urban changes. So urban, urban's changed now to progressive R&B. That was one of the main changes that people were talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Even still. 
even still progressive isn't good enough progressive still isn't good enough um i still think they have a lot of work to do and it's frustrating to say because this isn't it it goes back to the whole thing about how everyone suddenly had this awareness and now they're trying to play catch up people have been giving valid critiques to the grammys for years valid critiques about how some award shows sorry sorry some award categories are only there to separate black people from being in the same league as some artists that that aren't even half as good as for keeping it 100 so when i say the grammys is done they don't reflect what the quality of music is anymore they are a platform that has some kind of hierarchy and these names, the issue isn't the name of the awards. It's the fact that they exist in the first place. People aren't being judged based on the music they re- they create. They're being based on the stories that they tell. And that is, that's my main gripe. Like how they're so, so for example, I'm trying to think of how best to describe this, but you know, I don't know the name of the categories. I'm going to say that out front, but you know how they'll separate the black artist from the white artist by naming it something like, like urban. Like they'll add urban to the beginning of something like rap categories or they'll add, I don't even know, uh, this is annoying because I don't really know how to explain it. But in my time watching the Grammys growing up, it's always been like artists have been separated in terms of different categories that they don't necessarily belong into. I can't remember the name of the categories off the top of my head. But as as a, I feel like you're talking about urban contemporary, like yeah. in terms of the main the main gripes have been urban contemporary with people such as like Beyonce, for example, going in that category when she should have won album of the year. Yeah, like or like there's been other examples of artists being in that category when they should have been in the the album of the year according to loads of like critics and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. So that that's exactly what I mean. So yeah, not necessarily genres, but more so album of the year. For example, they will keep them out of that category and put them in something completely different. The issue that Tyler the Creator had, I can't remember what that was. So the fact that we're urbanized is my issue. So it's not so much the award; it's the fact that no matter what Black people do, they're not good enough to be an album of the year. Like a rap album can't be album of the year, and. I just don't think that's reflective of society, especially when rap is the biggest, I keep saying this, but the biggest genre in the world at the moment. How can that, how can an album that's part of the biggest genre in the world not be album of the year? I don't understand the logic behind that. But yeah, I guess it's the Grammys. They're going to keep doing what they can to protect the kind of focus they have on making black music separate to everything else. So they've succeeded again, I guess, progressive, urban, whatever they want to call it. Best of luck to them. Um, That's me. I would just like to say that this is a lesson when you're too hasty, too impulsive, and too rash until it will consider it. So I'm going to start off by using all of that. Because, um, you know, everyone here is trying to show that they're not racist and that they don't hate black people and that, you know, we're more inclusive and we're going to be diverse. And I appreciate the efforts. I appreciate the attention. But you didn't have to do this now. I would have rather the Grammys, you know, because clearly they didn't care about our concerns years ago. But if you're going to care about them now, I would have rather you took your time <laughs> and that, about how you're going to rename awards and how you're going to, you know, dish out awards and maybe, you know, rename them for next year's ceremony. Well, actually, well, I guess, well, not for next year, for 2022's ceremonies, because obviously these new changes will be for February 2021. 
So uh, I just think you could have been patient. Like, you know what? You want to, sh- it just sounds like we almost, it just sounds like, you know, a good PR. We just want to show we're not racist. We want to show that we don't hate black people. We don't hate the niggas. That's what it, that's what this, what this screams to me. And it's like, you could have just waited. You could have just waited. Like, yes, you would have been dragged next year, but it's like, you could at least put a statement out saying that we're going to be working on it. You know, we're working on changing how we divide um, the different genres and different eyes, blah, 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 blah. Rather than just, I feel like they just decided this on a group chat two days ago. Like, you know, get, you know what, Sharon? Press release, put it out on Monday. That's what we're doing. That's what this all, it all gave me. I don't see why the best new artist rules needed to be changed. I understand there's been a lot of contra- controversy and a lot of debate about what constitutes best new artist and who's even new because you have people who've been out for like years but they release an album finally and that makes them a new artist and other things like that. But I don't really see the need for that to be changed, but whatever. I would just like to know, I just would like to know, what the fuck is best progressive R&B? What the hell is that? You could have just brought back, because there used to be a category many years ago called best contemporary R&B album. You could have just brought that back, but they, yeah. that would have made more sense rather than just renaming best progressive R&B. Because one, it's such an open open term, open interpretation. And also, even in just in music spaces, best progressive R&B music is kind of named um, and in reference to like, you know, the Tanache is the genetic, well, not Tanache today, but you know what I mean. Tanache the weekend, uh, early, that. early the weekend, early Miguel, Frank Ocean. We don't we think about it in regards to those artists. Yeah, I feel like this is this isn't really in, this isn't really inclusive of you know the diverse sounds within R and B. Like I'm glad you know we because I do believe that I said this last year that because I know there's best traditional R and B album, which you know is for like you know the people who actually are you know, making music that's more of the traditional sounds of yesteryear, which, you know, that should yeah. definitely be an award, but yeah. it should just be best traditional R&B, best contemporary R&B, the end. That's it. Let best contemporary be open to the various types of new sounds we have in R&B music today. Let that be where the likes of Chloe and Halley could go. That could have um, alleviated your urban problem. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, secondly, what the hell is the best melodic rap performance? Best rap song was fine. It was literally fine. There was nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing at all wrong with that. It's what it is on the tin. Best rap song performance. A rap song with a feature or an R&B song with a feature. The end. Like, there was no need for melodic rap. Like, I don't know if this is for the mumble rap niggas and for the SoundCloud niggas. I don't know. But no, the answer is no. It didn't need to be changed. And um, yeah, that's my thoughts. You know, Harvey Mason Jr., do better. Because I always forget, because he's one of my favorite producers. Google him, Harvey Mason Jr., a legend. Love him. But some of his decisions as a Grammy CEO has just been uh, quite appalling, to say the least. Um, you know, I still love you as a writing producer, you know, but you know, maybe this isn't your, your lane. But you know, award shows are just gradually, gradually losing their relevance. They're such an archaic form to measure up what constitutes good music or what constitutes success because it's not even always about... And the thing is, in certain categories, it is about who the best album was or the best artist was in some, but some are clearly just about who who was the most successful, who got the best push, or who has um who has a friend in the Grammy committee, who 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 has a friend in the voting stands. It's just always it's not politics too. It's not just it's not a truly democratic system or organization. And um, yeah, those are my thoughts. But you know, best progressive R and B can no. The answer is no. Yeah, like I would echo the sentiments that two made. Um, the Grammy still has best world album, so. <laughs> That is how archaic it really is, pathetic. So um, really and truly, I'm kind of over the Grammys, really and truly. I get 
I've said this so many times, I feel like I'm parroting on, I get the institutional gravitas that it has for an artist's career, clearly visibility, clearly streams, clearly album sales, like clearly it gives you a boost in profile, but I'm over it, like I'm over it, don't care, like they can make however many changes they want, it's just really pathetic, like how do a small committee of people know what really was the best like of the year and obviously we've had guests on the show who have been a part of the Grammys committee yes they have great musical knowledge absolutely never taking that away from them great musical sound background sound ability to play sound writing ability like amazing 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 Lewis York I'm talking about but um in terms of like just the whole structure and systems um you can now read obviously the rules on the site just so political, so archaic. There's so many stories I've heard, both front of house and back of house, of the injustices that have happened. It's who they like. Things can change at the drop of a hat. It's just, I, I just can't be bothered to give it my energy anymore. Like, it's just, yeah, it's it's boring. Like, you can name it whatever, it's boring. I'm over it. Shout out to all the people who still give it validation. I'm just yawning, like I'm actually tired, like I'm really tired, like I just can't be bothered with it. Sorry. Like the whole discussion. Did a man say Shala? Yes, I did. <laughs> Sorry then, man. Um, the gra- I just, uh, I don't know, like if I could throw it in the bin, I would, like literally if I could make it control alt delete from existence tomorrow, I actually would. Um, and it's not the only people, they're not the only people that are doing this. Like, yeah, I'm all for the opinion that we should go to. Where our black, obviously, counterparts have, you know, the, their own equivalents. I'm thinking of, like, the BET Awards, etc. Mobo's over here, whatever. The Soul Train Awards. Soul Train, yeah, all of that. The but, Trumpet Awards, which none of you support, but, none of you watch. But... What I'm saying is that they mostly don't do any better in terms of the award categories. You know, the MOBOs, certain members are in the wrong category from diasporic regions, um, reggae, dancehall, ice, like all of that. That's what I'm talking about. In terms of um, the BET, you've got Hustler Awards and all this shit, like... It's just, I don't know, award shows are just, please, like, they're just so archaic. And yes, I went to the Brits this year. It was a networking opportunity. I went for Intrigue. And even going to the Brits have just shown me how orchestrated these things are. Like, it's just, they really, we just give them more power than they actually deserve or should have. Like, you know, someone may not win that year, but they could have actually had the best in the streets, as we love to say on this show, they could have had the best album in the streets or the best album across socials or whatever other metric. Yeah, I'm just bored. Like, I'm yawning, honestly. Even this Spotify and Apple Music Awards, like, yawn. Like, I'm sorry, yawn. Like, it's just all boring at this point. The music industry politics, yeah. Those are my thoughts. You can call it whatever you want. You're still going to put non-black artists in the album of the year and put black artists in the progressive R&B or whatever you want to call it. So yeah, I'm bored. Peace and love to the Grammys. And that's it for the news. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, is that the end of it? Oh, my bad. That's it. Okay, so season four is done. Season four is done. Season four is done. I don't think it expected how we, like, it ended how we expected originally expected it to end 
the coronavirus situation, the fact we've been in our houses, and like Nick said, the fact we're perfectionists, has kind of cha- like changed the the way we plan for this season to go. But I'm very proud of all of us for continually sticking at it and making sure we finish the season at least, because that's what the listeners deserve. And because of that, we've had way more people come and join us now on this podcast and hear us talk and send us love and everything. So I personally wanted to say thank you to every single person who has sent us a message, who has emailed, sent us voice notes, sent us love. And it means a lot. I mean, we do this show for free. There's no charge for this whatsoever. Every Saturday for 14 weeks, exactly. And with everything that's going on, we still managed to do it. And the reason we did it is because we've had such amazing support. So definitely love to every single person listening to this right now. You've been on the journey with us to season four. We are seeing a lot of changes happen and we promise that we will always try to make sure to get an episode out or at least figure out how we can make this more entertaining for you, more captivating, make sure we have the right guests, the right discussions. And we're not just another voice that mimics kind of what the industry is saying at the moment. This will always be an unfiltered podcast where three people come together, give their insights, have a discussion and focus on how we can make sure that our discussions lead to um, either changes or figuring out what we could do and what the the listeners can do as well to make a difference to the music industry in the UK, maybe globally someday, but in the UK at least. But yeah, Nick and Shop, if you guys have anything to say. Can I just say that I was tired at the Grammys, guys, not at the show. Like, I hope that was clear. Um, I just want to thank, obviously, Eden and Shoppe for all the work they do behind the scenes to make this happen. Like, it's incredible, just the amount of ideas, the amount of effort that goes into it. Like, it's nuts. Um, and the fact that we all continue during this, obviously, this hard situation, which is obviously COVID-19, quarantine. It's an, an experience in our lifetime that none of us the world has an experience you know as a whole at one time so you know being passionate at the start I remember the start of the quarantine edition of the episodes we were like is there gonna even be anything to talk about in the industry like is there anything is the news happening like what's going on um are we listening to anything as you probably heard we were kind of really going through it like just because of covid and then obviously because of black lives matter and that affected our listening habits for one or two episodes but we always clawed it back and of course as Eden said this season like we were planning to do so much like there was so much planned and um guests like even more I'm glad we still got to have some guests this season as well that was amazing so shout out to them but I did want to say that we, we had so much planned in that terrain but we will bring it to season five fingers crossed and yeah, there'll be more plans for 2021. But I'm just glad that we were still able to find success during this time as well. We were still able to have incredible guests, I just said, incredible feats. Like we had an interview with Feet Magazine. We had the Apple Music thing. And this isn't for accolades, but it's just great that, you know, people recognise talent and recognise what's going on here with us three, what we're doing. And we'll always continue to to up the levels where we can for whatever we produce 
Um, shout out to Tony for jumping on board too, which alleviated obviously Eden's editing capacity. Shout out to Eden for starting a podcast during this all as well, like doing his own individual things. Like it's nuts and it's incredible. Just shout out to all of us, like shout out to all of us in, individually and shout out to all of us um, for being so transparent on the show. Like there's just, yeah, there's so much there's so many people, Mike for the artwork, getting even more engaging with it this this season too. Moses, Tara, you were incredible. Thank you for your insights. Amazing conversations throughout. Listener feedback, list, filling out our questionnaire will come back better than ever. Yeah, just shout out to the best hosts ever and shout out to the best listeners ever for continuing to come back every single week <laughs> during this period as well. Love you all. Um, and see you next season. I think Nick said it all, so yeah. Okay, cool. Well, thank you very much, guys, as always. If you could do us a big favour, it may not, it may seem quite small, but it makes a massive difference. If you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, so that's D-A-T-S-P-O-D, anything, just say you love the show. If you love it, if you don't love the show, then just ignore this whole section, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but any love whatsoever so subscriptions so subscribing to the podcast on either spotify or apple podcasts just let us know you're there because we do value you we want to hear from you we want to interact with you like i always say find us on d-a-t-s-p-o-d that's twitter instagram vero all social media platforms or directly you can find us at eads mckenzie imn tyrell shope showerton and like Nick said, a special shout out to Tony Supreme and the Soul Surge show. Incredible, incredible show. Great introduction. Mm -hmm, and actually, mm -hmm, to mm -hmm, be fair, whilst mm -hmm. we're away, you should probably check it out. So Soul Surge is a great place to find out about jazz music, about, about I, I think there's some R&B. Yeah, there's some R&B that he plays on there as well. But it's a very soothing experience. And um, he's also on Represent, well, he's on Represent Radio, sorry. So yeah, check out that show. There's loads of gems on there. There's loads of artists I found out and have spoken about on this show about on there. Tony is a treasure and we're so lucky to have him on the show. But it's time to end season four. See you in season five. Uh, much love. Please stay safe. Please look after your loved ones. Black lives will always matter and peace. All black lives matter. All black lives matter, exactly. Peace. Peace.